Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Amanda Boyd and I'm joined today by Dr Michael Johnston. Hello Michael. Good morning. So your opinion piece this week in New Zealand Herald was about the new NCEA literacy requirements following research published by the Tertiary Education Commission. So literacy in New Zealand has been declining for quite some time, hasn't it? Why don't you tell us about the research findings? Sure, yes. Uh, I mean, international studies like PISA have shown a decline in the literacy of 15-year-olds every time they've come out, which is on a three-yearly basis since about 2000. So yes, we've been in decline for at least that long. There are, there are other data f- from further back that suggest that uh, actually we've been declining since about the 1970s. So Quite worrying. <laughs> uh, yes, I mean, we used to be top in the world. And, well, let's just say we're not now. You know, we still do a lot, a lot better than some countries, but uh, we've been declining. And it's not only, it's important to note, relative to other countries, we've been declining relative to ourselves over time. And that, that's the truly concerning thing. And so you, in your article you mentioned that New Zealand has favoured an ineffective means of teaching literacy at that primary level. Yeah. What have they been doing all this time? <laughs> so to understand this properly, one has to actually think about the difference between reading and writing, which of course are you know, the, the primary skills of, of literacy, text literacy, and oral language. So we might distinguish knowledge in terms of what is biologically primary from what is biologically secondary, and I'll I'll explain what I mean by that. So biologically primary knowledge is knowledge that we will develop quite naturally by interacting with other people and with the environment. So oral language is an example of that. It doesn't need to be taught. And if you think about it, it's a phenomenal feat in a way that a very small child just picks up language from being around it. You don't have to sit down with your child and say, you know, this is a cup, this is a dog. I mean, some, sometimes parents do a bit of that, but they don't need to. The child absorbs language from the environment. And that's because we are biologically programmed to be language beings. Now, literacy isn't like that. Literacy is an example of what we would call a biological secondary knowledge. It's cultural. It has to be taught. Mm-hmm. You don't just absorb it from the environment. Not every culture has been literate through history. In fact, literacy is a recent development in terms of human history. It's only a few thousand years old. And until the 19th century, most people everywhere were illiterate. So it's absolutely not a naturally occurring thing. So the error that was made by you know, proponents of what is loosely called the whole language approach to teaching literacy was to identify it with oral language and to think that if you put children in an environment with text and used whatever cues you could, they would pick it up. Well, they, they don't. Mm-hmm. Some children actually will absorb reading very straightforwardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the whole language approach does work for some children, but there's a large chunk of them who won't learn properly unless they're given a structured approach. And that means taking advantage of the fact that there's a a correspondence between spelling and sound in Mm -hmm. English. It's a better correspondence in some other languages. Te reo Māori, for example, has a perfect correspondence between spelling and sound. So does German. Mm -hmm. English has a lot of irregularities which have Mm -hmm. to be sorted out. But if you know the spelling to sound mappings well, then you can decode about 70% of English words. So that's what went wrong back in about the 1970s. They moved from 
a process whereby children would be systematically taught to read using phonics mm -hmm. to one that was more what you'd call a multi-cue approach where they might look at pictures, they're encouraged to pick up words from context and so on. But that works much more patchily than the structured approach. So that was a rather long answer to your question, <laughs> but but it's worth kind of thinking through the the issues. And mm. it took me a long time to realise that it was that confusion of literacy with oral language, which is, is where it went wrong. Yeah. Mm. And so the the structured literacy is more of decoding the language using phonics. Yeah, I mean, phonics is not the whole story, but it's, yeah. it's where you start. Yeah. You know, there, there are other things to take into account. So we need to take into account what's known as cognitive load, and this is, this is something that uh, affects all learning. Mm -hmm. So cognitive load is, is simply the phenomenon that, that we can't concentrate on very many things at once in a conscious and deliberate and effortful kind of way. Mm -hmm. uh, we get overloaded. Multitasking. Yeah, no one can do it. There's this, there's this myth that women can multitask and men can't. Actually, nobody can multitask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you get you get information overload, and that means tasks will be com compromised. Mm. And when you're talking about learning, that actually results in confusion for a child. Uh, if that confusion persists for too long, then the child concludes that they're not very good at learning, and they'll some will give up in frustration. Mm -hmm. So it's actually quite important to avoid cognitive overload while we're teaching things. Now, if you think about reading, you know, as fluent readers, adults forget what it's like not to be a fluent reader. I mean, not all adults are fluent readers, I hasten to add, and some adults really struggle, largely because they haven't been taught properly. Mm -hmm. But for a child beginning the reading process, there is an awful lot to attend to. So if you're concentrating on the phonics, for example, mm -hmm. then there are other things that you shouldn't worry probably too much about. For example, you know, whether they pause at a full stop and so on. Mm -hmm. That Then, you know, another time you might concentrate on just that one thing. So one thing at a time when, it, when a child yeah. is starting out is, is a good approach. So it's not just phonics. There's mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a lot to get your head around when you're learning to read, but that gives you a big leg up. And so what are the new literacy requirements that are being brought in? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So I'll start by explaining what the old ones are, mm -hmm. um, which will give you some idea of how mad it is, I would say. <laughs> so so the TUC research that you referred to before, mm -hmm. I was actually part of the team that did that work. We were asked by the TUC to see whether young people going into tertiary education, not universities, but politics and other training institutions, were had a level of literacy that was commensurate with that required to operate in a modern society in employment and life. Now, many of these young people had the NCA literacy requirement. Some didn't. So we were able to compare those who did with those who didn't. And to do that, we used the TEC's Adult Literacy Tool, which is a high-quality assessment of literacy, mm -hmm. reading and writing. Now, the NCA requirement strangely doesn't entail an actual assessment of literacy. To get the NCA literacy requirement, you need to get 10 credits, which is about half a year's assessment for, for one subject, 
from a huge list of assessments of, of hundreds and hundreds from many different subjects, including things like biology and history and all kinds of different things. Now, the reason that they're included in this list of eligible standards for the literacy requirement is just that they re require you to do some reading or some writing. But there's nothing in the assessment protocols for those standards that assesses on literacy criteria as such. So if you do a biology standard, mm -hmm. you may have to read a text about you know, cellular function or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, you do a history standard, you might have to write some paragraphs about the Treaty of Waitangi, whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing in the standard itself that specifies the quality of the writing or the difficulty of the reading or even whether you've understood it properly. So the old requirements didn't actually really truly assess how well they could read and write. Correct. <laughs> and that's what we found. Yeah. That there was almost no predictive relationship between whether or not somebody had the NCEA literacy requirement and how well they did on this independent TEC literacy assessment. Mm. So it was quite interesting because um, after we completed that report for the TEC, it disappeared for about 12 months because I, I think that the Ministry of Education had a heart attack when they saw it. But to their credit, they didn't ignore it. It was actually, it was eventually published on the TEC website. It's still there. Mm -hmm. And not only that, the Ministry did get on to the problem and they started to think through what we were going to do about it. And, and so in 2018, they inaugurated a review of NCEA that was scheduled anyway. It turned into quite a big review of mm -hmm. NCEA, which is still actually ongoing. It hasn't yet been brought to, to, to implementation. Mm -hmm. But part of this was to specify new, new literacy standards. And so there's two parts to it. First is making sure that the new literacy standard is really at a level that certifies that people will be able to operate in, mm -hmm. in a modern society. And also that the assessment for it is rigorous enough so that it really <laughs> it's a reliable measure of literacy as opposed to something that doesn't really necessarily measure literacy at all. So that's where it has ended up. It hasn't been implemented yet, and, and as I said in my, my column, it's been delayed for a year. Mm -hmm. Now, I can understand why schools are experiencing a degree of consternation over, over these new requirements because... Because of the problems that we discussed before with, with early literacy teaching, mm. there are far too many young people coming through the school system with inadequate literacy. Mm -hmm. So got to bring them up to speed. Really. Yeah, and it's never been the province of secondary schools to have to do that. Yep. But uh, more and more, we have to turn our attention to what to do about kids who have come all the way through primary school and intermediate school mm. and now they're in high school where, of course, literacy is something that they need to access the curriculum, mm. but they don't have the skills. It holds up all of their learning across the whole, whole curriculum. Yeah. So that we need to have this literacy requirement mm. so that we're... At, first of all, I think it serves two purposes. One is the obvious purpose, that we want to certify that young people are able to read and write to, to an adequate level. And that helps employers because then they can rely on that information. At the moment, they can't rely on the information. They get somebody with the literacy requirement. It doesn't mean anything. Mm. So we need to obviously credential people in the way that we say we are. Mm -hmm. But the, there's a more subtle 
reason to be doing this, which is that it puts on the pressure to reform literacy teaching throughout schooling, especially at primary school level. But the dilemma is what to do in the interim with the yeah. people that have come through and they're now 10 years old mm. and they haven't learned to read properly. And I can understand why schools are, are worried about that because as it stands, there will be a lot of kids who don't get NCEA because they don't meet the yeah. literacy requirement. So the ministry has got a puzzle on its hands to try to sort that out and maybe we need some, you know, just legacy kind of work to allow kids to come through without mm. cutting them off at the knees. But really what we need to do is put into place as quickly as possible structured literacy programs across the whole schooling system so that young people who, who have missed out at primary school are not just left high and dry. Mm. Yeah, because it's been quite a generation really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, whole generation of kids that are coming through that just well, it's can't. been it's been several generations. Yeah. If we think back to the, you know seventies or eighties, yeah. where this this decline started, yeah, and that all has a flow on effect. If kids can't read and write, and they're getting older, and they're getting into jobs, yeah, yeah, has a flow on effect. What does that look like for the wider country? Well, you know, in my in my column. I said that I think that there's a, it is an issue that affects productivity. Obviously, an, an employee will not be as productive in many lines of work if, if they can't read and write well, mm-hmm. uh, especially if they can't read. I mean, not all employ, employment requires people to write, you know, long pieces or, or, or whatever, but to be able to read adequately is pretty mm. important. And, and, lo- and lots of times you do have to be able to write too, at least express things, uh, ideas clearly enough for people to be able to understand them. Mm. So it's important from that perspective. And at the, at the low end, tragically, we, we, we see you know, a, a very high proportion of, of people in prison uh, are, not, are not literate. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't draw a, a direct line necessarily. I mean, that's a correlation. We can't necessarily say they're in prison because they're illiterate, they became criminal because they're illiterate. But you do wonder how many of those people, you know, especially young men, would have chosen a different path in life mm-hmm. had they had a better educational experience. Because mm-hmm. as I said, it's not just the literacy itself, it's access to the wider curriculum. Eventually you get to a point where you can't succeed in education mm-hmm. if you're not... Because you're held back because you don't have those fundamentals. That's right. You're not going to yeah. get to university... You're not going to do well in most tertiary training. You're going to struggle to get employment. Yeah. And so what can business leaders do to support this change and make sure that the Ministry of Education follows through with these requirements, that they don't backtrack, that they are supporting these kids to come through? With just, just speak publicly about how important they are and, yeah. and how important literacy is to, the, to their businesses, uh, to have a literate workforce. Mm-hmm. That's... that's that's, you know, in many ways, that, that's what they need to do to help the Ministry of Education hold the line. I know that, that the Ministry want to implement these standards. They, they do see the importance of it. But I also know that they're going to be under pressure and understandable, as I said, that, that schools are worried. Yeah. I, I don't blame them. And, and so we do need to be supporting the schools to help the young people. But, you know, as, as I said, what, what business leaders can be doing is just 
adding their voice to those parents and, and other concerned people to make sure that we actually get, first of all, yes, this requirement in place, but more importantly, that we change direction in terms of literacy education mm-hmm. so that we don't have this being an ongoing problem. So improving literacy really is a no-brainer then. It's better for, <laughs> <laughs> better for the economy, well, well, of course. better for businesses, better for people just uh, in their personal lives. Far better for yep. people in their personal lives. And that, that ultimately is, is my main motivation in, in terms of education. Yep. I've been an educator all my career in one way or another and it is improving the lives of individuals that... Uh, motivates me but but certainly the flow-on effects for the economy are incalculable Mm. and and therefore for the the country yeah so we've got to make sure we get it right we sure do yeah all right well thank you michael for your insights today oh thanks for talking to me and thank you to everybody for listening cheers